Stand Up for the Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up for the Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion, addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Hello, brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you, truth proclaimers and defenders, you troublemakers for the kingdom of God. That's what we are all about here, trying to preach the gospel, make disciples, speak the truth, confront evil in our culture, country, and world, and hopefully discern from God's word as we see through the lens of Scripture. Uh, Before we get going, and we're going to do a news headline commentary program today, Mary and I. Um, I want to remind you about redpillprints.com with the pages and pages on their website of Stand Up For The Truth gear, T-shirts, coffee mugs, hats, uh, beanies, water bottles, sweatshirts. Uh, So go check that out if you could. I mean, it's a Christian family, small company, and we uh, don't pay anything for their services. They do it all. They design the artwork, they put the logos on the t-shirts or the hats, and they put it on their site, they ship it out, and they are the ones that deal with the vendors. We do nothing in-house here at Stand Up For The Truth Q90FM. So just so you know uh, who's behind this, it, I mean, if you go to their website, um, by the way, you can go to StandUpForTheTruth.com, and there's a one word there in the navigation bar, Merch. It's right next to Upcoming, which is our guest calendar, Merch. that That's merchandise that will take you to their page at redpillprints.com. They do everything for us, and I would encourage you to pray for the success of their work there and their family and their efforts because it indirectly blesses us and it gets the word out. And plus you get some cool gear. I've ordered almost not everything. I've ordered a lot of these products because I need to find out if these vendors are quality uh, vendors and everything I've got, everything I've received is really amazing. And uh, Mary, you have a couple shirts and things mm-hmm. too. Um, I'm really, I'm really impressed actually. So uh, merch at standupforthetruth.com. Now, one thing before we get into the headlines, um, it's sometimes hard to do these shows because this is just the way of the world, friends. This is just the direction things are going. Um, and we used to, if you've been listening for, for several years or many years, almost every podcast we would open in prayer. Some of you have emailed me on occasion saying, hey, um, I'm, notice you don't open in prayer as much as you used to. Well, I tend to sometimes get legalistic about certain things, so I had to back off from just saying, this is what we're going to do every day, and I wanted the prayer to come from my heart. And I noticed I would often pray similar things because what are we doing? We're just looking at the world through the lens of Scripture, trying to inform people to encourage, maybe do a little equipping. And there's only so many ways you can ask that God would direct our steps here as we do this podcast. So that's why I I backed off from the regimen of doing it every day. So every now and then we will open in prayer just so we can just bring God into this as we want to do anyway and just be led by the Holy Spirit. I'm going to let Mary open today. Just so It'll be fresh and it'll be come, coming from her heart. So go ahead, Mary. Oh, Lord, we come before you this morning uh, surrendering our lives to you fresh and anew, and we desperately need you, Lord. Our nation desperately needs you. And 
Uh, we just ask that you'd walk among us today, that you'd give us wisdom above all about everything that's going on in this world in these dark, dark times, Lord. I pray that, that we could just, uh, shine a light on so many things and, and, and that you would just continue to, to help us to understand, um, by your Holy Spirit what's going on, what's important, Lord. If, if our hearts are somewhere else and we're distracted, bring us back to that main point, Lord. Yes, Lord. Cause us to be lovers of truth above all. Protect our families, protect our marriages, Lord. We love you so much and we know that you are our only hope, that you are everyone's only hope. And so we lift this uh, podcast up to you today, ask that our words would be edifying, uh, that people would just be more and more wanting to uh, follow you more closely in these dark times, Lord. If we can be an encouragement to anyone, Lord, um, let the words that you want to come out come out today. We love you so much, Jesus, and we long to see your face. Come quickly, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Here we are, Lord. Send us and use us. And be glorified. Um, so, major event today that you probably have heard almost nothing about in most liberal Marxist American Democrat run media outlets. That would be the March for Life, a very important event. You can watch it live on many outlets on Facebook Live on certain pages and um, it's different news outlets that are Christian or conservative, but it's happening today. Um, it's very significant today. Um, Mayor, this is interesting because this is the first March for Life since Roe v. Wade has been overturned. So this is what they've been marching to raise awareness for mm-hmm. since 1974. This is the 50th. This is the 50th The one. 50th March mm-hmm. for Life. And so there's an article over at Harbinger's Daily by Mike Pompeo. And uh, I just want to quote him and I'll let Mary, Mayor comment on this. Uh, he said, first of all, he says, it's so important to to raise awareness about this because the media will not do will not help. I mean, if there uh, by the way, if there's a hundred people that are LGBTQ, Black Lives Matter, or politically correct, you know, leftists or environmentalists doing a, a march somewhere, and they do turn it into an annual thing where a couple hundred, maybe a thousand people show up, that would be front page headlines. But anyway, so Pompeo reminded us this: President Biden issued an executive order that directed Medicaid funds to be used for women seeking out-of-state abortions. Earlier this month, the Biden administration formalized a process to allow retail pharmacies to sell abortion pills. Under its new rules, someone seeking an abortion can have a telemedicine chat with an abortion pill prescriber, then fill the prescription at a local pharmacy, even if that means having the pills mailed to them. This means that you can obtain the means to an abortion without so much as being seen in person by a healthcare provider, let alone having an ultrasound taken. These pills introduce real, short, and long-term risks to young women, but the Biden administration has ignored these dangers in its haste to make abortion or abortive medication widely available. Mayor? Hmm. Wow. Well, it's, it's the article says... Uh, the stakes couldn't be higher, and that is mm-hmm. absolutely true, even now, because um, abortion remains widely accessible in much of America. In 20 states, there are few legal restrictions on abortion, if there are any. Mm. Only 12 states have passed total bans. This divide reveals a tough reality, that, uh, and one those of us who are pro-life need to recognize. If we who believe in the inviolability of the unborn are unable to convince our fellow Americans of this essential truth, the reversal of Roe will mean little in the long run. And, and then it goes on to say nearly half of Americans aged 18 to 34 support the right to abortion under any circumstances. 
uh, these are the hearts and minds that that have to change. I mean, we have a generation of conditioning. Fifty yes. years, David. Fifty years yeah. we've been praying for this. It's uh, it's a big yeah. chunk of our lifetimes. Um, I can remember. I mean, some of you weren't even born when the Supreme Court decided to single-handedly wipe out um, any protections on life in the womb across the country and just say, yeah, go ahead. Abortion, they invented a right to privacy. That's nowhere in the Constitution, by the way. Um, But what do they call Mm -hmm. it now? They call it freedom of choice, reproductive Mm -hmm. freedom. Um, You know, they'll call all kinds of things. But it is is taking, eliminating a human preborn life in a mother's womb. That life, and it's not a clump of dead tissue, we know that dead things don't grow. In a mother's womb, it is a developing baby, preborn human. We are trying to save lives. And Mike Pompeo wrapped up his article by saying, I've been fighting for life my entire political career. In the Psalms, it says, You, God, created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. As we march for life this week and fight for the unborn into the future. It is essential. It, this, it is this essential conviction that we must carry with us. Again, God created every human life in his image to have value. From the womb to the tomb, we need to defend and protect life. Mm-hmm. If your political party is against that, you've got some serious heart checking to do and serious going to the word of God and maybe even some repenting to do for those you have supported in elections because you are complicit if you vote for this murder of the preborn. And it's caused a war uh, between um, ideologies, of course, in this country. Uh, This was on Fox last night. Uh, Tony Dungy, uh, Hall of Fame football coach um, and uh, Super Bowl champion, both as a coach and a person, uh, he is one of the keynotes at the uh, March for Life today, mm-hmm. and boy, the media is going after him, especially a gentleman, I think his name is Dave Zirin. Sports media. Sports yeah. media, yeah, uh, The Nation, which I think is a big sports publication. Well, uh, he came out and said, um, you know, you can't have somebody like that uh, speaking for this. You know, this is his first rally. And Zirin says, this is a staggering indictment against the politics of the NFL and the network's oh partners goodness. allow... And the kind that they condemn. And then he goes on to glorify Mr. Kaepernick. And he says, if Dungy wants a show on the Daily Wire, more power to him. But his being center stage on the most watched program in the country, Sunday night on the NFL, which I take, I seriously doubt it, um, makes the NBC and the NFL complicit in his disinformation and political posturing. So basically, he doesn't even deserve to have a job because of what he believes, I mean, talk about marginalizing and canceling. So he's the latest uh, overnight to be canceled by this uh, insanity. So uh, you think about, you know, it's when it's convenient, the left comes out and says, hey, right. what a separation of church and state. Right. But and they're talking about politicizing sports. Give us a break <laughs> with the continued political correctness in the NBA and the NFL. What are they, they even in the end zones, they're writing... I mean, they're, they're, yeah. for, uh, during the COVID year and the year after last, 2020 and 2021, they were all about Black Lives Matter, Global Network Foundation, driven by Marxism, anti-family, anti-Christian, yet they were out there supporting it and they were taking a knee for the national anthem. Now they're trying to end racism by saying, hey, love, love cures all, or end racism, or 
whatever they write on the back of their helmets or what's written in the end zone of an NFL game as if that's going to make any difference. Right. But the corporate world is behind part of this. The NFL is a money-making sports league. So is the uh, Black Lives Matter NBA. Um, I said it that way purposely uh, because that's what they're about. And, and I want to mention Jonathan Isaacs. We would love to get him on the show. He is the one NBA player. He's, from, he's a Christian young man. Actually, he's now with the Daily Wire. Oh. He's in the NBA Orlando Magic. He was the one that stayed standing in his uniform when during the national anthem, the entire rest of his team were wearing Black Lives Matter T-shirts and took a knee where they were taking a knee for the anthem. He stood and and this he's standing looking down. The spotlight was on him. He's since wrote a book. He got a lot of flack for that, but this is America now, where everyone's veering left, lurching to the left. And here we are watching a few young men taking a stand and being criticized, harshly criticized. In fact, Mayor, I think, go ahead, unless you want to have a comment, this is a good time to mention another yeah, issue. Yeah, well, my, I was going to say, you know, many, many years ago, decades ago, Rush Limbaugh used to call that symbolism over substance, how these sort of mm. symbolic gestures to get people to react, a knee-jerk reaction towards something, towards a cause that they want to promote, there's no substance to it. No one, You know they could do plenty if they wanted to without broadcasting their good deeds or whatever. There's so much money in the sports. Put your money where your mouth yep. is or just be quiet because the average American is <clears throat> tired of it all. On our podcast uh, yesterday, uh, yeah, the days run together sometimes, Scott Lively said something interesting. He said, and he's been battling the left and the LGBTQ and cultural Marxism for many decades. He said the LGBTQ agenda is the tip of the spear on the left, and that's one of the things they're using. And so Black Lives Matter is closely linked and united with the LGBTQ. You think, well, that shouldn't be this. But, yes, they are interconnected. So here's an article by, um, well, the Philadelphia Flyers, and there have been a handful of people that have said, no, I'm not going to wear these rainbow colors on my jersey. And they have been either suspended, they have to stay in the locker room while the, other, the rest of the team goes out. It happened to Jamil, uh, I forget her name, in soccer, women's soccer. She said, no, I'm not going to wave the rainbow flag and put, it up, put a patch on my jersey. I don't believe in that. And that's religious freedom. It's her Christian faith saying that is wrong according to my mm-hmm. God and my, my Bible. So here's a Philadelphia Flyers play, hockey player. His name is Ivan Provorov. He boycotted the pride jersey because of his faith, and the LGBTQ activists were furious. So he drew attention to, um, well, after refusing to participate in his team's pride night, and uh, during which the athletes wore LGBT-themed warm-up jerseys. Let's stop right there. Disney started this years ago, Pride Day at Disney. So you know Disney's gone woke. The NFL, the NBA... They welcome these things in, into the organization, into the sports leagues. But here, I told Mary before the podcast, the NHL, we're talking hockey. That's like the NASCAR of professional sports. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're talking conservative and, I mean, mm-hmm. old school. And so when the NHL bows the knee to the woke agenda and the corporate mm-hmm. orders of whatever corporations are sponsoring the National Hockey League, we have seen another shift 
Yeah. yeah, it's it's no surprise the NBA went that way, right? And it's no surprise the NFL then jumped on the um, anti-Christian bandwagon. But now we got the NHL supporting oh, Pride and and these teams. So this is an interesting story. One player again, just like Jonathan Isaac in the NBA. One player, and by the way, there are other Christian players, possibly on every team yeah. in the NBA and the NFL. And if, where are they? Where yeah. are their voices? They have not been discipled, and they are yeah. they are silent in the face of this evil. Well, um, let me just take it one step further. I mean, prophetically, what's coming down the road will be uh, mass canceling of people, and it'll be tied to their finances, you know, like Canada did with the truckers. If you don't tow the governmental, yes. social, political line, we are going to flip that switch. And so I think we're closer to that than we might think we are. Mm. Um, but I think that a lot of these people are going to find that, uh, well, canceling is just going to be the national sport. Forget the rest <laughs> of them. It's just going to be canceling everybody who doesn't toe the line of the, the globalist agenda. And especially if you believe and adhere to the biblical worldview, they're going to, they're going to try to cancel Christianity, Mayor. Someone should write a book about that. <laughs> Wow, David, what a spectacular a plug. idea. Yeah. <laughs> there's a there's a plug for my own book. All right, so now a very important topic and that is Christian perse- persecution that is dramatically, not just increasing, not just growing, dramatically increasing around the world. Open Doors has a world watch list. They do this um they've been doing this for 30 years. They rank the 50 countries in which it's most difficult to live. As a Christian. Now, in America, let's draw this distinction. There are many Christians, but a lot of people don't know they're Christians. We don't need to comment on that. We have much in the past. But in these other countries, if they want to attend church, if they want to profess Christianity, if they they want to renounce Islam or whatever, they will be persecuted. So, Mayor, a new list this Mm -hmm. year, uh, and according to Open Doors, 1993, Christians faced high to extreme levels of persecution in 40 countries. Mm -hmm. In 2023, this number has nearly doubled to 76 countries. In the top 50 countries alone, 312 million Christians now face very high or extreme levels of persecution. So your thoughts? Yeah, this is a great segue, David, because of what we just talked about. The groundwork is being laid in this country, and we're still free. We still have freedom of speech and all that, but you know that all the things we just talked about are groundwork and conditioning for this to happen here. Mm -hmm. We don't know how much longer we have to meet in churches and say what we believe, but um, uh, during 2022, it says, according to the report, 5,621 Christians worldwide were killed for their faith, with 90% of these killings occurring in Nigeria. Nigeria. 90%. There's a lot of terrorism there. Um, Unbelievable. Well, we have to add this. If you go down a couple paragraphs, mm-hmm. Mayor, um, by the way, it's, that's a lowball number, 5,600 Christians. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would think so. Yeah. yeah. But it says, despite the killings and persecution by militant Muslim groups, The Biden administration's State Department in December neglected for the second straight year to designate Nigeria as a country of particular concern. And we just told you, Mm. according to Open Doors, 90% of these killings, murders, happen in Nigeria. So imagine, if you will, Christians were doing the killing. Mayor, let's let's say there's a new new, uh, inquisition. Let's, Let's just say... 
Christians started saying, no, if you don't bow the knee to Jesus Christ and say, Jesus is Lord, we're going to kill you. Let's just say if 10 times that happened, 10 people. Yeah. Do you think the Biden administration would be all yeah. over that? Yeah, if it was Islam. I mean, and you can apply that to a lot of different stories. You yeah. know, if, if a Muslim was saying <laughs> yes. this, a Christian was doing that. It is, it, of course, there's double standards of the worst kind. It's absolute wickedness. Um, it also adds here, it says Nigeria is the sixth worst country for persecution of Christians. North Korea, Somalia, Yemen, Eritrea, and Libya take the top five spots. And now they're saying the sharpest increase is Latin America, Mexico? Yes. What's up with that? That uh, is interesting. Mexico, Colombia, and Cuba. And those are largely Catholic areas. That's, that's interesting. Strange. And I know someone, it's, this is really funny. I, and I, he's from Canada. I know someone that, that took a week-long vacation. They're in Cuba right now. I'm going, now, for, okay, that's a, he's in Canada, right? And that's a different country socialist country and woke and politically correct and they got emperor trudeau up there yes. in america we go we, we're thinking who would possibly go to cuba for a vacation but isn't that funny um not funny and sad at the same time no. but interestingly enough i got to bring this up because you mentioned that you, you could transfer that if you were a muslim versus a christian flip the roles the, notice the LGBTQ doesn't go into Muslim-owned businesses and say, we demand you make a cake. Right. Or we demand you, Muslim caterer, to cater our same-sex wedding. What kind of response do you think a, they would get by going into a Muslim-owned business? We know. Because Stephen Crowder went undercover a couple of years ago. He went into Muslim-owned businesses. I think he went to Dearborn or Detroit or these other areas where there's a lot of Muslim-owned businesses. And he had a someone went in with him, and he was he was being effeminate. And he went in. I want you to make a cake for my upcoming wedding with me and me and my husband. We're going to have me and my spouse. We're going to get married. And this one guy behind the counter, he looked at him. He said. No. <laughs> it was just laughable. You're thinking, okay, they're yeah. saying no, there's no lawsuits at all mm -hmm. where the LGBTQ is coming after Muslims. So that's something to think about, isn't it? Why? Why don't they sue Muslims for yeah. not bowing the knee to the LGBTQ? Yeah, well, the God of this world has, has all these things uh, <laughs> in hand right. to make sure that the believers are tied up in court for years and years over flour, sugar, water, and little frosting yeah. on top. I mean, it's, yeah. it's absurd yep. on the face of it. And, of course, we know the stories of Baronelle Stutzman up in Washington with a floor. She's a Christian. She had a flower shop. We know bread and, uh, bed and breakfast owners have been sued, uh, wedding, you know, caters, things like that. And they're just being – that's bullying, friends. That is bullying. You can't have that free speech. You can't believe what you want. You must serve us when there are probably an, another dozen bakeries within – five or ten miles of where, where they go in, like Jack Phillips in Colorado. So let's go back to the open doors. We have a couple more minutes left, and I, I want to make sure uh, people understand this is increasing around the world. Um, China. China's model of oppression is spreading throughout authoritarian states, it says. Nationalism plus sophisticated technology is a powerful combination contributing to a rise in persecution across authoritarian governments. China has also clamped down further on Christians, introducing sweeping new rules on churches' use of the Internet. Also, North Korea, now as we talked about, returns as, as number one on Open Doors World Watch list, 
with its highest levels of persecution ever in its history. The rise follows a new wave of violence under its new anti-reactionary thought law. What the heck? Anti-reactionary thought law. I don't think I get that. In North Korea. So they're reading people's minds now? I don't know. Uh, Anyway, um, over the 30 years of Open Doors uh, doing this World Watch list, um, Christian persecution has Mm -hmm. now... You can, it's documented, mm-hmm. and yet you very rarely hear anything about this in the media, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if this was another group, again, yeah, it would be front and center. Well, and headlines. I think Christians understand um, what's worth giving your life for. I think um, the ultimate sacrifice. Uh, the Bible says, John 15, 18 says, If the world hates you, keep in mind it hated me first. So we really are just following the way of our master. Yeah. And um, Christians need to make sure they have their priorities correct. The gospel is the one thing. The only thing worth giving our lives for. Everything is secondary. But it may come to that, and I think that um, in the back of our minds, I think the church, as we see the headlines we're talking about today, mm-hmm. I think the church is seeing the writing on the wall, yeah. so to speak. Um, I've said this so many times. Uh, this, I believe we are in a Bonhoeffer moment, a season, Bonhoeffer, whatever, whatever that season is, whether it's months or whether it's years, in the United States of Entertainment, I mean America, we are in a Bonhoeffer moment. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, of course, as you know, was one of the about, approximately third of pastors in Germany that stood up to Hitler. And um, his famous quote is, silence in the face of evil is itself evil. Um, not to speak is to speak. Not to act is to act. God will not hold us guiltless. Well, we have a, cho- we have a choice. You're talking about you, you, there will be a cost. Mm-hmm. But who are we trying to live for, and whose approval are we seeking? Mm-hmm. Paul said, if I were still trying to please man, I would not be a bondservant of Jesus Christ. That's Galatians 1.10. So that's a, a heart check, a gut check for all of us as culture and the country continues to go woke and the darkness is increasing. Christians mm-hmm. have decisions to make. Mm-hmm. Are we going to be oh, yeah. salt and light, and what does that look like? As we know, we're already being discriminated against, regardless of what the bullies on the left say. And what are, how are we going to respond to that, whether it's the public schools, whether that's on social media, whether that's in the corporate world or entertainment or sports, sports like so. Amusement. Amusement without thinking is the Greek mm. of amusement. And I also think, you know, we're going to talk in the next segment about what's going on in the church and what is happening yeah. into the church since, since, uh, the lockdowns and such. And really, uh, the more persecution comes, maybe the more people will see the priority. Maybe there just isn't enough, uh, oh, I don't know, impetus to consider the church going to church a priority anymore. And persecution mm. may certainly do some mm. weed work. Yeah, it's interesting what we learned when COVID came on the scene, thanks to oh, so much. Wuhan. Oh, so much. Thanks to China. Um, and by the way, this is a good plug for next uh, Thursday. <laughs> I, I believe next Thursday we've got Pastor Tim Stevens on the podcast. He was one in Canada who was arrested fee- mm-hmm. for keeping his church open mm-hmm. uh, when the government said, nope, you are non-essential. You need to close down and you can't, you can only have if you were to have any kind of a gathering, it had to be limited to a number of people. Well, we've interviewed James Coates, who wrote a book about you know God and government, and also Tim Stevens, both from Canada, and they lift, kept their churches open. 
Um, that's, this is something that we're going to see in our country more and more. Yeah. We've got to be ready for this, friends. Again, it comes down to a decision your pastor is going to make and a decision that you are going to make. Are you going to continue to say, yes, I am a disciple or a believer in Jesus Christ, and he is the only way. He is the truth. He is the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. And the gospel, the gospel, of course. Um, are we going to continue to preach it, or are we going to say, ah, well, things are getting pretty <laughs> right. pretty dark, pretty pretty dangerous for people that know you're a Christian. I think I'll shut up now. If you ever really were vocal and open about mm-hmm. your faith, to begin with, just think of what I think of Hebrews twelve. Consider you know what Jesus did uh, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and now sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider the author and perfecter of our faith. When we are called hateful, friends, that's not persecution. Mm-hmm. Jesus said, "If they hated me, they will hate you too." All right, we've got to take our first break. We, in the next segment, we're going to talk about. Uh, a third of Americans have stopped going to church. Also, um, not much commentary needed about this headline that Amy Grant doubled down and defend, defended her decision to host a same-sex wedding, apparently on her property, and uh, for two lesbians. So uh, many of you don't know that Amy Grant has been a supporter of same-sex marriage. And, well, we'll talk a little bit about that. And, again, don't need to get into too much detail because it's been out in the open. Uh, just like, what's that other one? She won uh, American Idol or something. Forgot her name. Carrie Underwood, was it? Anyway. Yeah, yeah maybe. Yeah. Also, if you really wanted to destroy the United States, then what <laughs> would you do? Mm-hmm. We've got 10 things from Victor Davis Hanson and a lot more when we come back. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. Consider it all joy, brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. That's, of course, James uh, chapter 1, verse 2 and 3. But we're going to go briefly to um, Ephesians 4. We're going to touch on the second chapter of Acts in a moment. But one headline, we're not going to elaborate on this at all because it needs no elaboration because you know what's happening with the double standards in the government and the media and the Justice Department. But according to a new report, the White House and the Department of Justice, DOJ, agreed to hide classified documents. Yep, new reports coming up. Uh, but nothing to see here. Move along. Because well, because it's not Trump, so let's, what a revelation! David. It's not Trump, so let's not pursue that. <laughs> nothing to nothing to look at. So, uh, if you want to, that's that's over at Breitbart News. Now, a third of Americans have stopped going to church, according to a new survey. Mary, why? That is a loaded question, David. You know, <laughs> many um, reasons. I'm sure there are many reasons, but uh, there's a new study out there. Uh, this was reported on ChristianPost.com. A new study on how the pandemic lockdowns impacted church attendance in the U.S has found that roughly one in three Americans now say they've stopped attending religious services. And it goes on to say, uh, it actually says 19% of adults changed their religious identification during the pandemic. I don't know what that means at all. Religious identification. I don't really understand that. Um, But uh, the American Bible Society found that 40% of Generation Z adults ages 18 and older attended church primarily online. Well, that's no surprise. Yeah, that's no surprise either. Uh, And then there was another quote. uh, I think I lost that one. Um, 
So basically, um, you know, oh, here it is, here it is. The report suggested that among Generation Z and millennials who had made a meaningful commitment to Jesus, about 66% did not attend church either in person or online at least once a month. Hmm. So meaningful commitment might mean something different to you and I. But I think what this made me think of, you know, is what is church for? Do people really any more understand what it's for? No. Um, and I, I think of Acts 2.4.2. And the yeah. thing that comes to me, I'll, I'll read it quickly here. Um, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and prayer. Now that seems doable to me, and I'm sure it seems doable to you. It's very, it's a very simple thing, and I think the church would do very well to go back to that simplicity. But also, you know, some assembly required. Can I put it that way? Mm. We are to gather together, and we are not to be lone rangers in the faith. We, right. And we need each other. We need that encouragement. We need, you know, prayer. We need to lift up one another, confess our sins to one another. Yeah. And how are we going to do any of that? If they stop going to church, and largely, David, I think it's just priorities have completely gone out yeah. of whack. That and the pandemic played into that and the decline in the biblical worldview in America mm-hmm. that Barna and, and mm-hmm. others, Lifeway and others, continue over and over and over. It, get, it gets worse and worse and worse as far as people having any grasp of what the Bible teaches or the true actual the biblical worldview and what that means. Um, it's really sad, but... Again, Acts 2.42, this is very basic, friends, and sometimes we need to remind people, what is church and why? Because two years ago we were challenged, two and a half years ago. You are non-essential, Christians. Your church is non-essential, but abortion businesses are absolutely essential. You know, whatever, banks, post, I don't remember what was open, hardware stores and gas stations and all that. Strip clubs were open. strip clubs, they're essential. But abortion was essential. And when you threatened Planned Parenthood, when governors, certain governors in certain states said, I think we're going to have to, you know, close down other, uh, Planned Parenthood said, nope, we're going to always, our doors are always open. That's what the CEO of Planned Parenthood say, said. Can you imagine if your pastor said, nope, our doors are always open? We're talking about the church at a time when people were the most fearful. At a time when people, this unknown virus, at a time when people were, were wanting to stay away from other human beings. Mm-hmm. What if more pastors followed, I'm not saying be like Planned Parenthood, but their CEO took a stand. And they even had banners printed up. Our doors are always open. In other words, we are essential. You will not shut us down. Imagine if the church had such a voice. Sorry, guys, I got very passionate there for a moment. But back to Acts 2.42. The apostles' teaching, what is that? The word of God, the gospel. The doctrine, yep. Fellowship. You've got to be among us. Iron sharpens iron. Encouraging one another in person. You can't pray for someone, lay hands on someone, hug someone, watching a video at home. What about communion, the Lord's Supper, breaking of bread? That's another essential of the church. And prayer. So these four things in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And then if you go over to Ephesians 4, it talks about why also do you need to meet the equipping of the saints. Mm -hmm. Why? So the saints can go the work of service, so they can go out and serve others, building up the body of Christ, but also preaching the gospel. So it's the two-edged sword. Well, you mentioned, you hit the nail on the head, fear. I think this brought out um, how easily people can be fearful and forget what God yeah. even says. You know, we're not to be afraid of anything because fear is faith in the wrong thing. You know, And, and it wasn't put, even tangible. It right. was fear-mongering right. by the media. But, they're, but people bought into it. They're putting their faith in something other than the Lord. And now add in the God of this world who doesn't want us to meet, who doesn't want us to encourage yeah. one another. 
uh, or seek the Lord uh, in communion and other such things, or to pray together in groups. We only need two or more, but nevertheless, the enemy wants to oppose these things. And churches, I remember churches in California were fighting lawsuits. They were being shut down. Um, That didn't happen around here. We talked to law enforcement, and they said, we're not going to come around and... We're not going to enforce. We're not going to come around and, and drag you off or anything like that. So we had a little more freedom here than maybe the left coast. Yeah. And all that it goes on over in California. But a lot, there were pastors who fought the good fight over there and they fought to stay open. And, mm-hmm. and so bless them for that. And I'm sure God honored that. But the whole idea of fear instead of faith is a serious lapse in judgment in the church. And, you know, if, if we can't meet at the darkest hour, then why are we even at church? Mm-hmm. I want to remind you that verse in Hebrews 10.25 that says, Do not stop meeting as a body of Christ, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, Paul wrote, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. It sounds like a command to me, David. That's pretty, you know, yeah. if you think about that's that's pretty do straightforward not, yeah. and pretty heavy. But at, but then what did we do? Oh, okay, let's submit to government. What if government says, okay, well, you should kill all babies now, not just, mm-hmm. you know, like King Herod, right? <laughs> you wanted to kill all, all babies under two years old. What if our government, and who knows if they, I'm not a prophet, but if they one day have the power to enforce such a law in America. I mean, abortion's already... Well, it was federally legal, but a lot of states now are fighting this battle. This is just something that we are going to have to say, is our authority Jesus Christ, who said all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth, and go and make disciples of all authority. So that does not say some authority, a little bit of authority, only on Sunday. All authority has been given to me. So is the Bible your final Authority, that teaching about how we are to, what is church, how we are to have church, assembling mm-hmm. the group, the gathering, ecclesia. Mm-hmm. And if you, if you uh, were to lose your Bible or if it were to be taken away from you, do you have enough hidden in your heart that you would be able to Ooh. survive on that? Uh, you know, people prep for a lot of things, but are they, you know, the bread, the bread of the word, bread the of meat life. of the word, the bread of life? I mean, are, are we storing up at, you know, Thy word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Mm. And it's the one thing we need for life and godliness and instruction. And I think um, maybe committing a little more of that to heart. Now you're ruffling feathers, oh. Mayor. Oh. You are. You promised to, when you came on this podcast you weren't going to do that. I'm Did kidding. I, I didn't this, sign oh, it, no, though. You didn't. <laughs> I, I didn't sign it. This is called Stand Up for the Truth. <laughs> Friends, thanks for, thanks for listening. Back to this article on a third of Americans stop going to church. We're going to wrap this one up. But the largest declines in attendance um, uh, were among adults younger than 50. No surprise. The largest declines, um, adults that had a college degree or less, um, Hispanic Catholics, black Protestants, white mainline Protestants. I don't know what all that means. Mm-hmm. But one thing that jumped out at me, <clears throat> educated people, and I put educated in quotes, because the education system today really puts out disciples of the leftist right. progressive worldview. The education system grooms, if you can use that word in a worldview sense, it grooms social justice activists. Mm-hmm. And so 
if you're educated, if you graduated from high school and have a college degree, that's allegedly educated, you stop going to church, you stop believing in God, you, it's not in, spiritual things aren't as important, and you are committed to the leftist worldview pretty much. That's not a surprise, but it's interesting that they point, point that out. Adults with a college degree, that, that is one of the groups that have the largest decline in church attendance. So, again, the most educated people, I don't care how many letters, PhD, MD, whatever you have after your name, does not mean you are biblically taught and sound and educated because the, the, the wisdom of man is foolishness to God. When we were talking with Scott Lively, I think, or someone, oh, someone else. We're, anyway, anyway I'll, I'm not going to say because that's coming up next week. About scientists. Isaac Newton was a man of God. He was a God-fearing scientist. But he wrote more about Revelation and the book of Daniel than he did about all of his scientific work and research. Did you know that about Isaac Newton? And he started with the premise that there is a God, a creator, and then all other research and science would have to fall in line with that premise, that worldview that there is a creator, and that's how the earth became. And so just look into that if you haven't had a chance. But, uh, Mayor, anything else? Otherwise, we'll go on to the next brief (laughs) It's interesting that uh, Revelation talks about in the last days the Laodicean Church, Laodicea means justice of the people. So now you're going to have a church that's full of this social justice, left-wing theology stuff. And there will be a church, and people will go to it. So it really kind of fits in with what you were saying, although when there were masks and lockdowns, those would have been the politically correct churches that would not have met. So it's a mixed bag. Yeah, it is. Uh, But keep an eye on all these things. Keep an eye on the culture. And and really, you know, the Bible says keep yourselves unspotted from the world, and that's probably the the best way that the church can continue to be salt and light. Okay. uh, Briefly now, as we have less than 15 minutes left, um, in 2009, something happened on the scale of the increase of same-sex marriages, same-sex households, same-sex you know couples coming out of the closet, so to speak. What happened? Well, the Obama administration started promoting LGBTQ ideology from the schoolhouse to the rainbow-colored White House. Remember that during the Obama administration? Well, in 2009, the total number of same-sex couples started increasing rather rather dramatically. And then 2015 came along, and that's when the Supreme Court said, okay, gay marriage is now the law of the land, or not the law of the land, because the Supreme Court doesn't legislate, do they? (laughs) Right? That's the job of the Congress, and the executive branch can't do that either. But the Supreme Court made this decision, uh, the Obergefell versus Hobbs, and so here we are. So two of those linchpins, 2009 and 2015, you can look at this graph and see increases in homosexual activity, the promotion of LGBTQ, especially the transgender ideology, and, of course, from 2015, same-sex households. Now, with that increase, we also have to provide some context, Mayor, because that's still a fraction of a fraction of American citizens as far as the population goes. It's less than 1% of Americans that are same-sex married couples. And you would think, 
I like to say one would think, wouldn't one, that after 2015, when the Supreme Court made that decision, when they just wanted to love who they wanted to love and marry who they wanted to marry, that almost every couple that was same-sex would have gone on to the, down to the courthouse and gotten married and had their ceremonies. And but no. Few have asked, why? Why didn't they get married? Because theirs is a lifestyle of sexual activity and not long-term monogamous relationship. And that is proven by the lifestyle, Mary. Yeah, it, it cannot be apples and apples when it comes to same-sex marriage, God-ordained marriage. It yes. absolutely cannot be. Thank you. Uh, and, you know, when you factor in here, the numbers weren't that great of same-sex marriage couples. No. But then as soon as it became legal, and i got to tell you, maybe I'm just so naive, as soon as it became legal all over, I was just appalled. I was disgusted. I really didn't see it coming. Like you said, I figured they would just go and do their thing but they want benefits. They want, they consider it a civil right. Yes, a right now, hmm. a right, a right to sodomy, right. a right, a government, a federally protected right. Yeah. Understand what this is, friends, because for twenty five plus years they were saying, "Well, are you against me loving who I want to mm-hmm. love?" No, but mm-hmm. let's define love, mm-hmm. because my Bible says God is love. And you're talking about a behavior, a lifestyle, and activity yeah. when you say love. So you've got to have that conversation, but a lot of them don't want to do that. So, But it's interesting. We have the chart in front of us. I don't remember where I got this. Amer- American Community Survey, mm-hmm. um, U.S. Census Bureau. Um, yeah, it's the Census Bureau. Yep. So these are just stats of same-sex households from 2008 to the present. And it's fascinating if you look at when Obama got elected, the increase, and then in 2015 – the Supreme Court. Well, and then there's the militancy aspect of it, you know, the vo- vocalness of the people that that claim this cause, and, and they're lost, you know, and, and, yes. and our hearts have to be to bring them the gospel regardless. Uh, it's difficult, but, you know, the Lord certainly can open doors for us yes. to do that, and they're, they're people Jesus died for, and so we need to keep that in perspective and, and uh, hopefully have opportunities to bring the gospel because uh, God changes lives Across every single spectrum. I'm glad you brought that up because, because, um, oh my goodness, this, this could be a whole other podcast. <laughs> but yes, we are to be compassionate. We are to preach the gospel, and, and they are lost. Um, but at the same time, we are not just saying love our neighbor, share the mm-hmm. gospel, because we want them to be saved. Mm-hmm. There's a difference between. Freedom of speech, freedom of whatever religion or activity, and now being almost forced to endorse something that is not biblical. And now it's in your face. It is being promoted, and that is very public now. Mm -hmm. And it goes against the Bible. It goes against the truth, and it goes against our worldview. So what are we going to do? So there's a difference now Mm -hmm. that that this is a public debate. And when Christians say anything, oh, we're just supposed to back down. That's what they want us to do, back down and give in. And I'm, I'm sad to say a lot of churches have. In fact, a lot of churches are right. waving the rainbow flag out front. Right. But let's Good just talk, talk about Amy Grant briefly. Um, she, I, a story came out last year that uh, she was, I mean, she's been pro-same-sex marriage for many decades, but um, she's going to host an, L, an LGBTQ mar- um, yeah, same-sex wedding at her farm. So on her property, um, and it's her niece. There we have it again. Now a family member, right? Now a family member comes to you. 
don't you want to love and affirm and support me and my whatever, fiance? Well, of course we do, honey. Of course we do. But is that the biblical thing to do? So this is, this is what yeah. we're coming to now. I mean, I'm talking to a lot of people out there that have loved ones, possibly. At least they know a friend or someone that is mm-hmm. gay or lesbian or thinks they are transgender. Mm-hmm. Um, but some have family members, and these are tough decisions. Yeah, they are tough decisions because uh, um, you do get people that work in churches get these questions. So-and-so is getting married. I've yep. been invited. I'm torn between wanting to just show them the love of Jesus and just – boycotting it and just not making sure I don't give approval to that union because it's a union under God. It's, it's not God-ordained. Right. It's not a God-ordained, right. but that's what they think, and they're, they're, they're misguided on that, to say the least. And so we do get those questions, and uh, I can tell the people's hearts are broken. They love yeah. these people, but yeah. – but. Yeah, and that's we didn't get to that article yesterday with Scott Lively, the myth of gay Christianity. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's a whole other topic. We've got, wow, five minutes left, Mayor. Wow. Um, Oh, let's just let's just go to this one real quick. If you really wanted to destroy the U.S., well. Victor Davis Hanson over at Front Page Magazine. First, you would surrender our prior energy independence, mm-hmm. reduce new gas and oil leases on federal lands, cut back production, uh, make war on coal and nuclear power, drain the strategic petroleum reserve, and make it more um, for consumers. Absolutely, make it more bearable. Until after the midterm elections. But let's go to number two. Um, second, print trillions of dollars in new currency. As the end of the lockdown, demand rises. Consumers are already saturated with COVID-19 subsidies. Keep interest rates low. Spread the wealth by sending money to those who already have enough while making it less valuable to those deemed to have too much. And destroy small businesses thanks to the pandemic um policies yep. that you have to factor that in there. A lot of people lost their businesses, uh, and that makes things much worse. Yeah. Okay. So number three, end America's physical boundaries. Render it – well, let me, let me go down to um, uh, currently nearly 50 million who were not born in the United States, 27% of California's population to 100 million and more are allowing 3 million aliens to enter per year. This is going to continue to grow. Um, so this is – an open border policy, mm-hmm. um, something that, who is it, Michael Savage famously would say, borders, language, culture. Borders, language, culture. If you want to have a country, borders, language, American culture. Mm-hmm. These are things that we have just now practically set aside, right. uh, and we're seeing the fruit, the rotten fruit, I should say. Um, four, destroy the public trust in its elections. Render election day irrelevant. Check that one off. Yeah, unfortunately. Normalize ballot harvesting and um, blast as election denialists, insurrectionists, anyone who objects to these radical ballot changes that are neither passed by the U.S. Congress nor by state legislators. Weaponize the FBI, CIA, and Department of Justice. We've got three minutes left. Number five on the list, if you really wanted to destroy the U.S. Mayor, go ahead. Yeah, redefine crime as one rich man's crime, another poor man's necessity. In other mm. words, smash and grabs and, you know, let's, let's just, uh, smash and grab. let's just equalize yeah. everything because, uh, we're basically envious that one person has this and we don't, but that's not a crime. You know, what, all the marching and the BLM and all that and all the destruction, well, that's not a crime because we are entitled. Equity. 
Equity, that's yeah. right. Um, anyway, number six, monetize your claims against perceived victimizers. Mm-hmm. Um, this is just <laughs> call anyone a racist who resists. Right. Encourage social and tribal tensions. Green light statue toppling, name changing, boycotting, and cancel culture to erase the past. That includes American history. That includes, you know, go back as far as you mm-hmm. have to. Are you, on, are you on six? Yeah, that was six. Okay, and I wanted to add this. Matthew 24, uh, 7 says nation uh, will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. That word nation means ethnos. So the Bible actually says in the last days, ethnic groups will rise up against ethnic groups. And, oh, gee, I think we're seeing that. Ethnos against ethnos. Yep. What's number seven? Seven, render the United States just one of many nations abroad. Abandon Afghanistan in shame. Leave behind thousands of loyal Afghan allies. Oh. Billions of dollars in equipment. Um, of course, appease Iran by getting back into the nuclear deal. Yeah, we're just we're just one on the global landscape. And uh, mm. uh, number eight, neuter the First Amendment. <sighs> wow, mm-hmm. silence unwanted free speech. Mm-hmm. We're seeing that with the one-party big tech media conglomerate. Mm-hmm. Uh, warp elections, uh, declare free expression, hate speech if you're not on the right side. Mm-hmm. The, I mean, their side. Right. Number nine, demonize half the country as semi-fascists, un-American, potential domestic terrorists. And they used <laughs> January 6th to do that even, even further. Another two minutes here. And finally, number 10 in Victor Davis Hansen's list, if you really wanted to destroy the U.S., never mention the origins of the COVID-19 virus. Ignore the Bill of Rights. And he says, we have done all of the above. So and it, it would hardly imagine any country that could be sustained for long mm-hmm. when you continue going down this path. We call it the path to destruction. And as Biden wants to build back better, in order for the left and progressives and Marxists and Democrat socialists to, and globalists to build back better, they've got to destroy what was once a strong, unified country under God, a republic, and they have to take it down. They've got to start with the economy, uh, eliminate the Christian worldview, because the Christians are part of the resistance now. Unfortunately, that's kind of where, that's part of our role now, resist evil. Right, Mayor? Yeah, circle the wagons as believers. Uh, the church probably isn't going to get any better. So strengthen the things that remain. <laughs> the remnant. The remnant, yes. yes. And circle the wagons and encourage one another. Pray for wisdom every single day. I exhort one another daily. Yeah. So um, let's talk about next week. We've got some fun, really excellent guests coming up. Um, let's go to next Tuesday. Bill Koenig, he hasn't been on the show for years. You lined this up, and we're very thankful to have a report from Bill Koenig Tuesday. You will hear a new podcast, not a replay, next Wednesday. It's going to be Jay Warner Wallace. Um, his, his latest book came out about a year ago, Person of Interest. What a phenomenal approach to apologetics and defending the evidence and the truth of Christianity. Pastor Tim Stevens up in Canada, as I mentioned uh, earlier, he's going to be on with us next Thursday, get an update on what he's been going through and what's, what the Canadian government is doing. And also, Liberty Pastors, one of the co-founders, Pastor Paul Blair, next Friday. I can't wait to catch up with him. I've been so blessed by Liberty Pastors. But guys, thanks so much. Keep your heads up. Uh, God bless you. And as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter.